This is sort of a part two to the last episode. What is wrong with the Christian celebrity industrial complex? We churn out famous people all the time, only to discard them when they fall. I hate to say it, folks, but we are a huge part of the problem, you and me. This is the Dangerous Faith Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Williams. Last week, we talked about how we try to make Christianity look good and how we really shouldn't. This episode will be an extension of that when it comes to the dark side of Christian celebrity culture. So many people fail, and it happens all the time. It really makes you want to pull your hair out. My personal story with all of this is, uh, I hate to say it, with Robbie Zacharias. He was my hero. I looked up to him so much. I saw his impact, how he went around the world and he shared the gospel. He was so winsome and persuasive and super smart, but he seemed really kind. And then the house of cards fell over and I was devastated. I shouldn't have been as devastated as I was. That really showed kind of a idolatry in my heart. But it hurt real bad to have someone, yeah, maybe I, I never met him, but I looked up to him so much. And and so I got to be I got to thinking really, and this kind of led to these last couple episodes. I have something called the Christian Celebrity Industrial Complex. I kind of got that term from a professor of mine at Beeson, Dr. Devine. I don't know if it was exactly like that, but the idea came from him. It's this machine that just creates people that come up and they're super famous and they have their clothing lines and their social media accounts and their devotional books and this, that, the other. And and we, we always think that we need those people and then they fall. Uh, there are tons of reasons for, for their fall, right? Uh, celebrities fall because there's a lack of accountability. Some of them have a God complex. Some of them are surrounded by yes men and people pleasers. There are egos, and I got all that. However, today, I don't want to dive into that end of it. I don't want to dive into their end of it and put all the blame on them. I know I mentioned Robbie Zacharias, but beyond him, I don't want to really talk about their specific situations or ministries. I really don't want to talk about celebrities at all. That's half of the problem, and other people have beaten that drum to death, and so I don't want to go there. So what do I want to talk about today? I want to talk about the other half of the issue that people often don't talk about. It's you and me, really. We're to blame. In fact, in some ways, I might say we are more to blame. Why is this? The reason why the Christian celebrity industrial complex, which turns out hot and funny, attractive Christian famous people all the time, the reason why that whole machine exists, it's because of you and me, to be honest. We have neglected our most basic Christian duties, and then after we've done that, we look elsewhere to fill the void. Now, at this point, you might be shaking your head and being like, 
oh, are you, I don't know what you might say, victim blaming or, or whatever. But hear me out for one minute. I'm going to, I'm going to rant a little. So, so hold on tight. You and I are supposed to read our Bibles. You and I are supposed to know theology. We're supposed to be the prayer warriors on our knees day and night before God our maker. We're supposed to be the ones hitting the streets and telling the world about Jesus. We're supposed to hit the streets for justice and and get involved in activism. We're supposed to counsel and encourage and meet the needs of those around us. You and me. But what happens is, is that we don't do this. We don't read our Bibles. So we need someone like Mark Driscoll and Carl Lentz to do it for us. We don't research issues ourselves because, you know, that's way too much work. So we look at people like Ravi Zacharias to make things easy for us. Oh, they're so good at it. We don't pray as much as we should or at all. So we need our Creflo dollars and Benny Hens to pray for us, right? You send them money and they'll pray for us to, you know, whatever, do their thing. We don't tell the world about Jesus. So we point to Joel Osteen and say, well, he's attractive. He's well-spoken. He has a platform and people listen to him. He can do it. We need the hot and funny Christians to do the work that we don't want to do. We need the people on Instagram and YouTube to get the word out about Christianity. Why? Because you and I won't do it. We need Christian celebrities so that we can tell the world, hey, look how cool and awesome and and attractive and hilarious Christianity actually is. It's a big party. We have a good time. Look at all these people that are doing the things that I won't actually do in my personal life, but hashtag, I'll share a post. We don't read our Bibles, so we love a good public speaker who tells us stuff that may or may not be true, but gosh darn it, it makes us feel good. We don't pray, so it's great when we support others who are supposed to do that for us. We don't evangelize. So what if we just gave someone talented and well-spoken the money so that they can go do it? We prop up these superstars because we need them to do all the things that we won't. And like I said, it's, it's a machine. And lots of people are to blame. But I think that includes you and me. We churn out popular people, and whenever one falls, another person's ready to take their place. We always got someone who looks good in front of a camera, someone who uh, is eloquent, and we say, hey, you go there and you fight our battles for us. Yes. Should our leaders be better? Definitely. I don't want to ignore that. We should never give people a platform that they don't have the maturity to handle. Popularity should never outmatch maturity. But like I said at the beginning, that has all been talked about. You know, right now I'm listening to a great podcast from uh, Christianity Today. Well, I say it's great. I've listened to the first episode and it's really good on the rise and fall of Mars Hill with Mark Driscoll. And there's a lot of stuff that goes into it. I don't want to simplify it. But I do want to talk about the things that often get ignored. So what I'll talk about today is you and me. What can we do? 
So first, we have to step up and be the leaders that we want others to be. Don't blame your pastor for something when you're just sitting on your butt. Um, another way of, uh, of putting this is don't bring up a problem unless you want to help the person you know, with solutions and, and you want to bring healing, not just division, right? So step up and be the leaders that you want others to be. We need to spend more time with, and I'm going to be careful with this word, but admire our local pastors, our elders, our ministry leaders. Those are not easy jobs. So we might look at, you know, whatever popular speaker or preacher we like and be like, oh man, I wish my local pastor was like that person. But really, we're all called to do different things. We have different skill sets. So let's admire the people around us that they're stepping up and they're at least trying right no one's perfect we need to become theologians who know our stuff you know we're called to know basic theology we're supposed to be able to explain the gospel Uh, maybe answer some basic questions hey why are you a christian why should we believe the bible you know we need to lead ministries all over the church and in the community don't complain about something if you're not involved and if you're not doing anything that doesn't help anyone let's stop putting all our stock into the latest matt chandler or david platt sermon now the reason why i say that is i love those two pastors They're amazing speakers, amazing preachers. They're incredible, but I bet the people around me, you know, I I go to seminary, I'm involved in a local church, I'm involved in campus ministries at the local college. Well, they know a lot too, and they have a lot of wisdom. Let's not wait for the Frank Turek's, the William Lane Craig's, the McDowell's, or the Greg Kokel's of the world to answer all the questions. You and I can jump in and think critically for ourselves too. We need to look in the mirror and realize that we prop others up when we can't fight our own battles. We sometimes think subconsciously, why would I read the Sermon on the Mount when I bet John MacArthur has some incredible thoughts on it? Why would I read about the sovereignty of God in Romans if John Piper has written 50 books on it? The reason why is that God wants to use you for his glory, not just a few people with a massive platform. God wants to use you today, but you will only obey him if you are following his will and growing as a Christian. Let's stop putting all our hope in the Christian celebrity industrial complex. Let's go to work ourselves, you and me. So that's kind of, that's my thought for today. And uh, now we're going to move on to our devotional. And our devotional comes from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. These are the, the words of Paul. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, 
one God and Father of all, who is over all, and through all, and in all. Amen. All right, so uh, this is a shorter a shorter passage, and the reason why is that uh, our next episode that goes into the next part of Ephesians chapter 4, it's a little complex, and I wanted to save that for another time. So I chose uh, six verses, and so let's let's talk about that real quick. One word that jumps out to me comes from verse 1. We are prisoners of the Lord. Now, some people might shy away and be like, oh, that's harsh. Oh, no, I don't like it. Well, the Bible makes us uncomfortable. We are prisoners of the Lord. We are in debt to him. We are uh, in, in chains in a way to, to our, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But we kind of have to think of it in a different way. A normal prison keeps you restricted. However, being a prisoner for the Lord is freeing because he keeps us in, on that path. Of, of, of truth. He keeps us growing to our full potential. And so there are boundaries. There are restrictions. We are to obey him. There are commandments. I don't want to minimize that. But it's not as a punishment. It's not punitive. It's not to go out and get us. No, it's to keep us by him. And we are to live in him. John chapter's John chapter uh, 15 talks about this. We are to abide in him. And it's actually freeing because he takes care of us. And we live and we grow and we have life. So it's a good thing to be a prisoner of the Lord. The next thing I want to notice is how Paul keeps it simple. Y'all, I'm not going to lie. There are a lot of complex things to Christianity. No one fully understands the Trinity. Uh how Jesus became man and lived among us, that, that's complex. I don't know. But the foundational things are often very simple. We have one faith. We have one Lord, one God. And so this keeps it simple and straightforward. Don't overcomplicate things. If you don't understand something, ask questions, but go to parts that, that you can get because there's a lot there that you and I can understand. And so let's keep it simple. Um, and I think the use of one by Paul does that. Uh, one hope, one faith, one father um, who is over all and through all and in all. Just beautiful language. And then finally, um, I'm going to talk to you about the importance of creeds. So a creed is like a formula. It's a statement that's meant to be memorized and repeated and kind of keeps the, the core truths of whatever group uh, close to your heart. And this is kind of like a creedal statement in a way. It's easy to remember. You think of the word one and you think of, you know, one body, one spirit, one Lord. Like, you know, these are things that we hold near and dear. And so I would encourage you to go over passages like this, go over doxologies, go over the Lord's prayers, uh, things that might be easier to memorize because they have a consistent theme. Memorize them, repeat them, and to hold them near and dear to your heart. And you'll be surprised when they pop back up in your life when you really need them to for encouragement or instruction. 
But anyways, those are just a few thoughts of mine, so I'm going to pray, and then we'll sign off. Father, uh, we are your, your prisoners, and I mean that in the best possible way. You take care of us, you guide us, you give us boundaries and rules and laws for our benefit, Lord, and we're thankful. Help us to keep the main things the main thing, the cross Jesus Christ dying for us, the fact that as, as, as the church we're part of one body, and uh, help us to remember these creedal statements, these formulas that, that are near and dear, as I often like to say, that encourage us. Uh, help us to remember and to memorize these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, folks, that's all for today. I hope you go out and have an incredible day. I'm going to sign off, and uh, yeah, so in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night.